Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Henry is a singular voyeur. He finds his engagement in jeopardy when his fiancée, Beth, discovers a secret recording of their lovemaking. A chance meeting with Charlie, an enigmatic young photographer, allows Charlie to act out his obsession with creating the perfect audio-recorded interaction, spontaneous, rehearsed, both fixed and changeable. Charlie begins a strange and surprising seduction, and their recordings of imagined conversations became a dangerous game where intimacy and identity are both real and imagined. We're joined by the director of Diamond on Vinyl, a terrific narrative film coming out um, now. It'll be uh, available through uh, Video on Demand, and you'll be able to see it in, on a number of other platforms, including the theaters. Uh, we're joined today by the director, writer, and producer, J.R. Huto. J.R., welcome to Film School. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, pleasure is all mine, um, and a really terrific uh, film. Uh, just a kind of uh, one of those very meditative uh, uh, sort of, uh, I, there's a lot of uh, um, layers to this film, and I want to get into all of that. But tell me a little bit about the evolution of the story. Yeah, I think you know a lot of it had to do with just thinking about how we live in a in a, in a moment when everything is about mediation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're all taking images of each other. You know, putting them on Facebook, Instagram, etc. And it, they're really just versions of ourselves, right? You know, we might not be having a good time at the party tonight, but we want everyone to think we're having a good time, right? We don't want to show that we're not having a good time. And so we would spin things in that way. So it's about controlling our own image that we're presenting to the world for an audience of some kind. And so I got thinking about that and about, you know, the different implications of that, um, particularly as it relates to, you know, um, intimacy and and the nature of what's public and private, you know, with so many different, you know, websites, you know, um, oh. things, things like Suicide Girls, where mm -hmm. it's user-generated pinups and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things that, you know, when I was a kid, um, you know, uh, in, in the 80s, if you found, if somebody found, you know, nude photography of you, that might, might mean that something's wrong with you, something's wrong with your family, you're on drugs, whatever. Mm -hmm. And these days, it doesn't mean that, right? It, you know, um, it's just, uh, it's another subculture. It has its own mores, its own values. Um, and and an, even though... And another so form of self-expression as well, right? Exactly. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, absolutely another form of self-expression. And I think that... So thinking about all of those things and about how they've accelerated over the course of like my life, for example, you know, I'm 35 and, and I've seen like, you know, everything crop up on the internet and now, and, that, and how much technology has changed all these things really got me thinking about that nature of intimacy. Um, and so that's sort of, you know, where the earliest ideas of the script came, uh, came from thinking about that. I, I can't help but, uh, thinking, uh, about your film, uh, Diamond on vi vinyl, where there it feels like there's some influences here, and I, I don't want to in any way uh, demean your accomplishments here because it is a it's a very uh, th this is a kind of film. I'll be perfectly honest with you. This kind of film that I've seen a lot that goes completely off the rails, that it mm -hmm. that spins into some kind of very un, un um, 
unimaginable sidetracks and just things go off. This stays very focused. Uh, and I think that's one of the strengths of the films. There are predominantly three characters here that we're that we we are spending time with, and all three of them have a interesting story. And you manage you manage to have that uh, in that it comes up in the film organically. We we can appreciate them as individuals, but it's the interaction that really makes this work. Um, tell me a little bit uh, about your uh, sort of the the way in which you see these people, very distinct individuals, how they, how their interactions move the story forward. Yeah. Well, it's very important to me, you know, I mean, I'm very, you know, I come from a documentary and experimental background as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And so it was very important to me to try to avoid some of the things that I, um, you know, really disdain you know, at least in my background, you know, in terms of, like, things like exposition, mm-hmm. unnecessary exposition. And mm-hmm. there is a little bit of exposition in Diamond on Vinyl. You can't avoid it at times. But it was very important to me to have as little of that as possible and have everything be, as you say, organic to the story, to the character. And mm-hmm. so it was very important to build up who exactly are these people, what are their relationships, what is their history, what is their shared history with each other, so that... Even at times when you could say as an audience member, this scene is crazy. What they're doing is crazy, right? Um, Which is totally legit. Um, You know, at the same time, I wanted to be able to have characters and performances that you believed them, that that would keep you in the moment, despite those moments being so strange. Um, And so, you know, in in that regard, I think it's it's very much about... um, creating these interactions that have both tension and release. You know, so there's like, for example, the, the moments between Charlie and Beth, you know, that could become histrionic, right? Like when Charlie comes to visit Beth right. at, her, right. at her place. Right. How, how would that actually, how, you know, thinking about it as the writer, how would that actually play out? How would that scene actually go? Right. If it didn't go poorly, if it didn't, if it didn't become a fight at the doorway and she actually lets this person in, Mm -hmm. what is the thing that diffuses that? Right. And so, of course, then you have moments like the uncomfortable laughter and thinking of ways that they can connect to each other, because ultimately these are three characters that are maybe at very dark moments of their lives. It doesn't make them bad people. And it's important to make sure that there's a differentiation between the bad decisions they're making and that they're not bad people, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. No, to your point, uh, and, and that's exactly right. Uh, there is an internal logic to all of these scenes, okay? As you said, it, if maybe someone watching this as a... Uh, could Yeah, just what you said, I would agree with you. It, it's, it's being able to establish these characters well enough... Uh, in the in the minds of the audience, and and then being able to watch them play these things out, and that's a, again a, a really a, a strength of this film, Diamond on on, vid- on vinyl, is that it's you're you don't it's easy to believe uh, this. What where outside of this, it may seem uh, un you know unfathomable in some level, but it it's the fact that uh, when uh, Charlie and Beth meet up at her her apartment or her, um, her home. 
they, she has a uh, history with this woman helping her out. So there's not a, you know, right. not this kind of, uh, although there is this disconcerting and uh, moment for, for Beth uh, in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, another th- strength of this film is the silences. I, I always appreciate films that allow a scene to breathe and allow the characters to act naturally one another. And sometimes it requires moments of s- silence of where we're just trying to process what's actually happening here. And that's that. That happens here in this film. Thank you. Um, well, and and again, I, I I sort of alluded to it in in my in question just a minute ago, and that is, this feels, uh, without diminishing your film at all, it just it feels a little bit like Sex Lies and Videotape. It feels mm-hmm. a little bit like Persona, to me. It feels it's 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 uh, it stands on its own, but there are, and it also feels like Paris, Texas, and and I, the 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 Kinski uh, connection could I was it, I was just struck by, yeah. uh, by by that. Uh, there are, and is that is that am I off base on? No, no, uh, no, you, no, not at all. I mean, I think Paris, Texas is kind of uh, to me a funny story. So. You know, um, obviously, I'd seen a lot of them vendors. I'd never seen Paris, Texas. Okay. And you know, we we it, you know we went through casting, and Sonia Kinski, um, you know, who's Nastasia Kinski's daughter, who's in the film, um, you know, plays one of the three leads. So it was, became clear that okay, she's amazing. And yeah. We you know if we're going to cast her. This is great. You know, she's interested. This is really really amazing. And then immediately, uh, a friend of mine who was helping me out, uh, um, you know, with the film, uh, said, "Well, you have to watch Ferris, Texas. You have to use to go watch it because <laughs> you know I didn't see." And you know, he's like, "I didn't see at the time, you know, the similarities, but they're right. You know, you need to see it." And I was like, "Okay, okay, okay." And I decided I'm not going to watch this before because it's going to give me too much stress mm. to be thinking about poaching on <laughs> like master's territory you know what i mean and not to mention the fact that like it's going to give me stress to be thinking about okay not only am i doing something similar but i have her daughter at the same age as she was in her like all the different (laughs) immediate like there's like a ghost walking through the graveyard right and um so i didn't watch it and we we shot the film we went through the whole thing and and then we started cutting. Um, you know, we took we took a month off because you know we all have day jobs, and, right. and so we were we were only cutting on the weekends. Um, and so finally, I, I had a minute, you know, and then this was like two or three months after we shot the film, and I finally watched Paris, Texas, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what is going on?" Like, there are so many moments at the end of that film where I'm just like, "Oh my god," <laughs> it's it, like, and I just you know, it's funny. I just ended up feeling like. Um, it, that that film obviously vendors, but that film in particular, I think, is so massively influential. I think it's kind of overlooked how influential it is. At least yeah. I overlooked it. Yeah. Um, that it's influenced so many things that I love. Um, that I had seen echoes of it already and loved the echoes, and then you go back and you watch the the original, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh my god. My mind is blown. Like, uh, <laughs> so it was a very, uh, it, you know, it was really. And then I kicked myself. I was like, I should have watched this you know, a million years ago. You know, I well, should have watched. This. Well, you know what, Jr. You get you get anxious about it. Yeah. You know? um, well, Jr. Let me just say, screw it. You have you created a, a singular 
artistic achievement here, and it's it, it's exceptional. And uh, and yeah, okay. I mean, if you know, if people are going to nitpick about the Kinski yeah. connection and some similarities in tone, that's fine. I mean, it's a, right. it's a tribute to your film because, as you said, it is a masterwork. And and I I can I just wanted to sort of weave this into our conversation because it is kind of a little bit of an elephant in the room, not really, but it's just kind of this sort of odd uh, connection be- with a with another Kinski in a film that really is yeah. about the the very the most intimate moments in a relationship. This is again the strength of the film. We are really in in the same way that uh, that Henry is a voyeur, and apparently so is Charlie to, as well. We are listening in at these very intimate moments that feel very real, and the acting is just superb across the board. I am not familiar with Brian's work before. Uh, but he is just wonderful. Brian McGuire is just terrific. Yeah, he's, ama- he's amazing, and uh, and you know he's a great filmmaker. You know, um, yeah. and and an r- amazing, prolific filmmaker for an independent filmmaker. You know, he, he yeah. you know, it's. I mean, I feel like he makes a movie a year just about. Yeah. Um, and I and it's funny. He was a connection. I didn't know him. I didn't know any of my cast before before auditions. Um, but he was somebody who you know once he casts once we cast him and which was clear from the moment he came in um and started talking to him i realized how many people we had in common both living in los angeles both in independent film and, and these kinds of things and it's yeah. like one of those things where, like how do we not know each other yet well yeah. i'm glad we know each other now so well um, well the cast across the board is terrific let, let me just name them we obviously mentioned sonia kinski brian mcguire as henry uh nina millen as beth the uh, henry and, and beth are together uh working things out in the film uh, uh jeff Doucette is terrific as this sort of uh, lost uh connection for uh for Henry, who's uh, obsessed with these uh, sound recorded, sound and safe, safe and sound recorded uh, albums, and I loved Kate uh, uh, Jessica Golden. She's just a she's a a great bridge character, I would call her in, in yeah. this film, uh, and she um, she really is. They're all good. I mean, it, it's just a it, it's such a really well done, and I, congratulations to you as a director to be able to get a great bunch of actors together and let them. Be actors. That's what I felt yeah. like when I'm watching it. The, I'm watching actors in 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 what they do well. Mm-hmm. So, Warren, you know, I mean, the thing is, too, at the end of the day, I felt like, you know, when I was prepping for the project, because obviously, you know, it's it's a very, you know, modest budget. Um, you know, it's very small, small film. Um, you know, everything was devised. Everything from the, the production standpoint was built around performance yeah. how do we get how do we maximize a limited amount of time we shot the film in 12 days yeah. you know and it was a you know four-person crew right. how do we build the entire thing around getting the performance the best we can and so that you know me and the actors when we leave at the end of the day have confident are confident that we got it yeah. and so that was you know it's, it was it's simple when you think about it in those terms because you have to make it simple you have to find you know Filmmaking is, you know, obviously can be very complicated, very, you know, and time intensive, these kinds of things. And so when you're forced into a position where you're saying, okay, I have to simplify, you have to find ways to make that your advantage, that that simplicity. And so for this film, obviously, I knew from the very beginning, this is a film about performance, right? It's in the film, it's part of the plot, and therefore it also is the most important thing in the film. Well, um, that we have good performance, you, and you got them, and I, I, I concur. It, it's obvious that 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 was the heart and soul of this film, it, and it just an interesting uh, premise, such a such an interesting um, way to get into the the. 
the dark dark recesses of these characters' psychology, uh, and uh, and it works very very well in this. I, I just want to let our listeners know uh, that this film has been uh, a feature winner, a feature uh, drama at the Atlantic Underground Atlanta Underground winner, best director at Downtown Film uh, Festival, best ensemble, which I think it deserves in spades, uh, uh, and best ensemble Downtown uh, Film Festival as well. A bunch of awards. Uh, it's uh, screening uh, when this airs. Let's see, what have we got in front of us? You're going to be at the uh, downtown independent tonight. Well, we're get, we, no, we're going to tonight. We're actually at Anthology Film Archive in okay. New York, and then and then Sunday uh, the eighth we're in, in Boston at the Coolidge Corner Theater, and then in uh, this week upcoming um, we're at. In Los Angeles at the Cine Family. Yeah, Cine Family, uh, great. Well, and, uh, well, you yeah, can you can find out all about this at uh, DiamondOnVinyl.net, and you can go there and find out all you need to know about uh, the film and the filmmaker. And uh, I am just thrilled that I, I I don't say this very often, and I and I but I mean it when I say it. This is the kind of movie, and this is the reason I do film school is for these kind of films because they just do not get um, the run they deserve and the and the accolades that they're entitled to, and um, like uh, just a wonderful, wonderful achievement. And um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for being here, um, J.R. Huto. Uh, the uh, the film is Diamond on Vinyl, uh, and go to diamondonvinyl.net to find out more about it and how you can watch it. Because I strongly urge anyone who cares about great f- cinema to check this out. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.